Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, I couldn't agree more. You are loved and it all mattered and it was enough. Happy Mother's Day. I'm sure just about every mom that is watching right now has wrestled and wondered if that is really true. Does it all really matter? Like the middle of the night wake-ups, kissing the skin knees and acting like you actually understood your kid's math homework. And I'm sure you wonder, if it is enough, then why on earth doesn't it feel like it some days? You know, part of the reason is moms, you wear so many hats. Your world-class homeschool teachers in quarantine. You have a five-star rating as your kid's personal Uber driver outside of quarantine. You are often a referee between sibling disputes. You are comforting therapists when their hearts are troubled. And there's nothing like a mother's heart. To the moms watching today, it is a privilege to be able to bless honor and celebrate you. And so let's actually shout out those moms that we love in the comments. Uh, And I'm so grateful that I get to be in your home today. Thanks for inviting me over. And the truth is that right before we started recording this, I was challenged by my good friend Pat to just record in this. Uh, I did have a much cuter outfit that I planned to wear, but after a few moments of not wanting to admit that he was right, I decided we all needed some joint solidarity. So I come to you as I am today. This has been my quarantine outfit, and I am believing you are probably watching wearing the same thing. So leisure wear unite today. I wish that I could have broken all of the social distancing rules to actually come to your home and to bring you breakfast in bed with a handmade card and a custom necklace made of colored macaroni noodles. Mother's Day has this way of producing so many feelings. The emotions that sprout out around Mother's Day often live in a delicate dichotomy between the the tender and the tricky real-life stories that are connected to this day, the hopeful and sometimes hurtful memories, the longing to be a mom and the loss for those that miss their mom, and a million other realities that play out on this day. And I want to say to you that even though I am not in your living room at this moment, I see you. And more importantly, God sees you and loves you however you are showing up on this day. And I would love for all of us to see you. And so why don't you tell us where you are watching from today? And I think it's actually perfect uh, that we are in a series called How to Win at Waiting on Mother's Day. Uh, Because waiting requires something that is very important to mothering, patience. Any moms out there trying to develop more patience in their parenting? Any moms out there that have failed at patience in the last few weeks? Uh, Let me see those hands in the comments. Of all the roles that I play and the hats that I wear, uh, parenting is probably at the top of the list of ways that God has broken me open to develop more patience in my life. These are actually the two little people that made me a mom. 
Elijah and Gigi. They are my patient's professors. And this is the woman that I call mom right after I delivered Elijah. And I'm fairly confident that raising me required some patience on her part. In fact, I remember the moment so vividly when Jarrett said to me in the delivery room right after Elijah was born, he goes, it's a boy, it's a boy, and he looks just like me. And I have so many moments that I don't remember from those early hours into motherhood, but there is one that I vividly remember that stands out to me. After all the, the hospital protocol was done and, and everyone that had come to visit went home and Jared had fallen asleep on the uncomfortable lazy boy next to me, I remember sitting in my bed staring at this, this little seven-pound, five-ounce bundle that did, in fact, look just like Jared. And this surge of emotion ran through my body and, and I was so distinctly aware I don't have a clue what I am doing. There was no manual. I didn't get a degree to do this. I don't even have to pass a test to take him home with me. And I didn't know that it was possible to feel the intensity of love that I felt for that little human. The protection and the lioness love, the tenderness, the fear the possibility of him struggling with anything, the angst over the thought of him ever having his heart broken. I literally played out a whole conversation right there in the hospital room with that little girl. And let me tell you, that little heartbreaker was in tears when I was done talking to her. And in the, the darkness of that moment, I knew my baby was not the only one that was starting a new life. There was a whole new me also being born. And whether you have held a new baby in your arms, a new idea or season of life in your hands, maybe it was a new dream or hope or a relationship, for something new to grow, something old needs to be let go. Something new had to grow in me to parent my child, which meant I needed to let go of some old ways of living. And whether it's a, a literal person like the child that you are parenting or the new seedling of an idea or dream that you hope will grow or a relationship that you really want to work, for something new to grow, something old needs to be let go. And it will only become what it was meant to be when you let it go. I don't know about you, but, but this is so contrary to what my mind and intuition thinks it should be, especially as a parent. You know, my instinct is to pull my kids close to make sure that nothing can happen to them. To not just put, you know, protective helmets on them when they ride their bikes, but to build literally a whole armor system that they can wear the rest of their lives to make sure that nothing ever happens to them. And holding on is a human instinct. It happens with dreams and ideas. When we want something so badly, our hunch is, is to wrap our arms tightly around it to make sure that nothing can happen to it. And the impulse to hold tight 
is so natural and it's so normal. But most of us, we hold on because we fear what will happen when we let go. But letting go is how we grow. You see, somehow when you release that thing that you're holding onto, whether it's a child, a dream, a hope, or your plans, and you trust it to God and the spiritual process of transformation, only then can it become all that it was meant to be. So how do you let go when all you want to do is hold on? And therein lies the tension that I want us to wrestle with for just a moment today. You know, letting go might be one of the hardest parts of waiting. And I want to look at some words that Jesus shared on how to actually do it. And and as we've been walking through this season, one of the things that has been helpful to me during this shelter in place is actually reading scripture from different translations that I don't normally read from. So today I actually want to teach this passage from the Passion Translation. So you can open up your Bible app uh, and follow along with us. You can turn to John 12, 24. Now, I want to give you a little bit of understanding because Jesus had this way about him. Uh, He often spoke in parables and metaphors, and, and they always meant more than the words that he actually said. And these particular words that Jesus shared were so poignant and powerful, not just because of what they represented, but when he said them. You see, right after Jesus was was welcomed into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, days before his own crucifixion and death, Jesus could have said anything. And he knew what was in front of him. And this is what he said. I love this. He says, let me make this clear. I love Jesus. He wants to make sure that everyone understands what it is that he is about to say. And he says, a single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. Now, I bet... If you're like me, you, you can almost kind of picture Jesus cupping like some seeds in his hands, inviting those that were listening to lean in and even look at the seeds. And Jesus is saying multiple things simultaneously. And like any good teacher, he uses an object that was familiar. He, he literally uses seeds. Jesus knows that eventually to get a flower or a bushel of wheat, you need a few things. You need soil, you need light, you need water, and you need a seed. And in order for the flower to be born, the seed has to die. Now, the technical process is actually called germination, when a seed gives up being a seed to become what it was actually meant to be. Uh, You didn't know that you were going to get a horticultural lesson this weekend, did you? But you can't get to this beautiful flower here without this seed dying. You see, this life comes from this death. And that's what seeds are supposed to do. 
They are supposed to become flowers. This is why no one gives their mom a bag of seeds for Mother's Day. And the only way that you get more seeds is from flowers. And this is a regenerative process. This is new life, which leads to more life. But none of that happens if the seed only stays a seed. Now, obviously, Jesus was not just giving a gardening lesson. He is referencing his own death, burial into the earth, and then resurrection, which was days away. And he's teaching what our whole church is built on, transformation, that your old life has to end for your new life to begin. And when Jesus speaks of the great harvest of wheat, he is speaking of his resurrection and the new life, the new life harvest that we can find in him. And Jesus is is giving us more than just this, this memorable metaphor with the flowers and the seeds. He's offering an intentional invitation to you and to me to actually bury the old ways so he can lead us to new ways. For anything new to emerge in our lives, something has to change. And I know that you know this. If you've ever changed something about your life, maybe you moved and you're in a new location and you started a new job, you moved to a new city, something old had to go so something new could emerge. Or maybe it was a habit. You committed to a new eating plan or exercise routine. And and maybe it had to do even with your finances. You know, if you want to save money, you have to say goodbye to spending money the way that you used to. This is even true in relationships, especially true in parenting. What your kids need in one season is very different than what they will need in another season. How I parented my kids when they were two and four is very different from parenting them now at 12 and 14. I had to let go of the old ways so that I could find a new way. And that's because old ways rarely lead to new ways. And while most of us know that this is true, it's often hard to let go and actually bury something that we want or we love or or that feels comfortable. And then wait and trust that something new will grow. And over the years, I have had to do a lot of letting go in my life. I've buried a lot of seeds hoping that they will crack open to new life. Some things I wanted to let go of and other things I needed to let go of. And God has used it all to transform me. And every single time it required waiting. And and I've noticed in that waiting some common patterns to letting go. The first is this. Soil matters. The soil that you plant the seed in, it matters. And that's because letting go is hard. (laughs) But it's much easier when you've planted yourself in healthy soil. 
You know, a, a good gardener would tell you that soil that's rich in nutrients is better for a seed to grow in. And the same is true of you and me. Letting go of something, whatever it is, the soil you are planted in, it matters. The people in your life, the relationships, the healthy ones and the unhealthy ones, they all affect the soil. Your rhythms, like John talked about last week, they change the condition of the soil, your health, how you take care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Your commitments and and honoring your agreements, all of that impacts the soil. And I noticed back in March when we first moved into shelter in place, I kind of right away went into triage mode and just solving problems and and shifting everything about at Soul City and and helping my kids get into a, a new schedule with their online school and making sure everyone around me was okay. And I just went straight into solution mode and every problem that I could solve and every problem that surfaced, I tried to fix it. And about Three weeks into that, I was in a small group that I am a part of, and we decided to meet up on Zoom, and the leader was having each of us go around and do a check-in on how we were doing. And when it got to me, I got about a sentence into my check-in, and it just all broke loose. Tears just started streaming down my face and I was overwhelmed because I had overlooked myself for the past three weeks. And, and I literally just said in the small group, I feel like an imposter. I keep telling people how to do this and I'm not even doing any of this myself. I did nothing to make sure that my own soil was healthy. And some of you know The soil you are planted in is not healthy. And many of the things that that God has invited me to let go of over the years were things in my soil that I had planted there. And they were not helpful or healthy for me to grow. I want to make sure that, that I'm clear. Healthy soil does not mean that there are no weeds. That is something that I have learned to embrace along the way. You see, weeds are normal. This is the second pattern that I have noticed. Weeds are going to show up. It happens. It is a part of life. In fact, weeds are often a reliable source of information on what's going on beneath the surface. You don't need a, a perfect environment, just a present one. And new life can still be formed even when weeds are present. And many of us are tempted to think that weeds mean that something is wrong, but weeds are an invitation to look beneath the surface to make things right. And I want to say to you, don't give up when weeds show up in your life. You know, we were having dinner uh, just last week, and I was feeling all of us as a family just struggling And so I thought, well, maybe what we need to do is we need to relook at the values that we wrote at the start of all of this and and see how we're doing. And I've had this list of values and the schedule that we made on the fridge from when all of this started. And and I'm not even going to talk about how long the schedule actually stayed in place. 
But as we started into the values, in a matter of minutes, our conversation um, turned and the wheels just started falling off. And we were all struggling, struggling with things that we were missing, struggling with one another, struggling with, with keeping our agreements with each other. And in a moment of weakness, I said some things to my precious kids that came out all lumpy and lopsided, but they were really hurtful. And tears just started flowing around the table. And it was apparent there were some neat weeds that we needed to address. And at the moment, I just felt terrible. I felt like a total failure as a mom. And I sat in it for a while that night. And eventually, as I let myself be with God and, and be with my family, I was able to embrace that our conversation was actually a gift. We were seeing some weeds. I was seeing some weeds that we needed to take care of. And God was at work. And just because there were weeds, it didn't mean that something wasn't happen, happening, which is critical to letting go. You have to trust that something is always happening. You have to trust that, that God is at work, even when it doesn't look like it's happening. Something is growing. New life is forming. A, a number of years ago, when I was a new mom and, and lots of changes were happening in our lives and, and I was navigating all kinds of, of significant losses, a friend recommended that I read a book called When the Heart Waits by Sue Monk kid. Here's my copy of it. And this is one of the single most transforming pieces of literature I have ever read. Um, there is more in this book that is underlined and highlighted than not, and the pages are yellowed and all marked up. And when I read it the first time, I realized, um, perhaps like never before, that attentiveness and faith are critical to waiting. That waiting is not this sedentary experience, but it is instead active with trust. I learned that the word wait actually comes from a root word meaning to watch. That to wait means to apply attentiveness, to watch, and to wait on God is to trust that God is at work deep beneath the soil, that when the seed is buried, when we can't always see how things are moving and shifting, God is working. And, and I remember underlining these words so many years ago, and, and they are still true today. And I, I want to read them to you. When you're waiting, you're not doing nothing. You're doing the most important something there is. You're allowing your soul to grow up. If you can't be still and wait, you can't become what God created you to be. Beneath the soil, God exchanges our letting go with getting started. 
God, God has this way of exchanging all of the letting go, the, the releasing of the seed with getting started. And what feels like our ending is always God's beginning. And I wonder, would you be willing to see your letting go this week through a whole new lens that this ending is actually God's beginning? Maybe this week you're going to go out and maybe even find some seeds and, and practice burying them. Practice letting them go. And what's so powerful about this metaphor that Jesus shares with us is that later in the scriptures, the Apostle Paul pulls from Jesus' teaching on the seed and what happens when you bury it in the ground. And he says this, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. You see, the sower, the one who buries the seeds, the one that trusts God and the process of transformation knows that the more you bury, the more God trusts you to carry. And this has been true from generation to generation. There is a literal blessing that God pours out into our lives when we trust him with our lives. And I know that all of us are all over the place. Literally, people from all over the world are watching right now. But I imagine you are also all over the place in this current season. You're waiting and you're letting go and you're releasing more seeds into the ground than you knew were in your hands. And some of it is just plain hard. And I want to remind you today the one who sows from a generous spirit, the one who trusts that God is good and it is worth it to bury all of those seeds, he will bless you with an abundant harvest. And that's how we want to close our time today. We want to bless you with a song taken directly from scripture. We've invited our friends uh, Cody and Carrie to sing it over you today. And I want to read this passage of scripture for you as a blessing from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And Jesus this is our prayer, that we would live into the fullness of your blessing and your peace. Amen.